I do want you to know we have been praying for you, and we can get that slide up there. This is Christmas, a celebration of Christ. Um, Just so you know, we do think this is real, and following Jesus is something that's very, very real to me. I I, I believe in Jesus. I just can't help it. I, I believe that he's real. When I was 17 years old, he he changed my life. I was a very, very far away from Christ. I, was, I would have considered myself an atheist. and In fact, that's what I told. In fact, one of my favorite hobbies was arguing with Christians because I just think, I, I, I would tell them, I think this whole Jesus thing is silly and I think it's dumb, but, but God has convinced me and I just, I just believe it's real. And sometimes following Jesus isn't easy because you don't know where he's going. Um, I, I have my friend David in the back he took me mountain bike riding. I don't know if you've ever gone mountain bike riding, but he took me yesterday. Last time I went mountain bike riding was three years and 40 pounds ago. Amen? I put on 40 pounds in the past three years and went mountain bike riding. And David told me, he said, Chris, it's easy. We're gonna, going an easy 10 miles. All right? Everybody, some of you guys laugh at it. It's an easy 10 miles. I said, all right, we'll do this. And he said, just follow me. I've never been to this trail before. Follow me. And, um, you know, if you don't know where to go, if I leave you behind because you're just going too slow, just go left. Most of the time, it's going to be a left, he said. Sometimes it won't be, but most of the time. And so he took off, and he's gone, and I'm huffing and puffing and coughing and spitting up. And as I'm riding, and I'm, you know, I'm trying to have fun and trying to remember why I enjoyed doing this. And, and, <laughs> but just it, ha- having a good time, being outside and getting the heart rate moving and doing all that stuff. I just haven't had time in three years since we started this church. I was going through the trails, and it was quiet, and there was nobody there. And I was like, you know, this is a lot like following Jesus. Is, you know, he tells us what to do. He tells us he's with us. I knew David wasn't going to let me die out there. He wasn't going to let me wind up in North Carolina. You know, he was going to find me. But he gave me some basic instruction, just go left. And the one time that I was supposed to go right, he did stop and warn me. It was about three, 400 yards after I made the left turn, but he came and he saved me and he said, no, Chris, you're going the wrong way. And that's how following Jesus is. And But this Jesus that we serve, um, how did he come into the world? And I, I wanna bring some points out about the birth and the life and the death of Jesus that have just transformed me. Number one, he was born in Bethlehem. There's a uh, scripture in Luke chapter 2. It says, And Joseph went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he had, I'm sorry, he was the, of the house and the lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And they were there because the time had come for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. Bethlehem, did you know that that word Bethlehem literally means house of bread? House of bread. I mean, sometimes word meanings are important. and God puts, puts things in the scripture that, that are kind of hidden there. Bethlehem was the house of bread. And Jesus, who would later call himself the bread of life, was born in the house of bread. In fact, he was born um, most likely. Now, you can go back and research this. I've done it. And they, where was Jesus born? What did it look like? Uh, most from the research that I can find, granted, I'm in 2018 and I wasn't there. It was most likely in, the, in a cave on the side of a hill, which would make sense because that's where if, if your house was there, you might have a cave. It was common where you kept your animals. You know, it wasn't really where you lived, but you kept your animals, and, and Jesus was laid in a manger or like a feeding trough. But he calls himself the bread of life, and he's born in the house of bread. Did you know that the smell of bread, they did a study in 2012, I believe it was, but the smell of bread actually makes people kinder and more giving. Isn't that interesting? Some stores will literally pump that into their stores to get you to buy more because they believe this stuff. They know the power of what bread is. Bread throughout generations, that's like a, that's a big deal. That's what humanity lived on for thousands of years was bread. But did you know that a smell could make you kinder? They did this test outside of a store and when they were pumping the smell out, people were way more likely to assist other people. Like they would drop stuff on the floor, they'd pump the smell out, and then sometimes they wouldn't pump the smell out. When the smell was pumped out, people would stop and they'd say, oh, let me help you with this. They were just kinder, more gentler. 
And Jesus calls himself the bread of life. Because, you know, when you smell bread, it just is good. In fact, if there was a way to do it that I wouldn't burn this church down or this building down, I wanted to bake bread in here today because I just thought that would be awesome. Maybe some of you would be nicer. (laughs) That was just for me, but did you know that, I mean, or maybe I would be nicer, but the smell of bread, it does something. And Jesus is the bread of life, and when you get get a sense of of who Jesus is, it really makes you nicer. Um, This week, coming on 20, and I hate driving on 20 and 26, but... Unfortunately, I work over there, so I got to do that, live in Lexington, work downtown. This guy made a maneuver. It was amazing. Four lanes of traffic, 60 to 70 miles an hour. He did a quadruple, triple merge. Came right across the front, cut everybody off. And you ever just see yourself doing something? You ever see yourself doing something? Like you see the image of what you want to do? Now, I put on Facebook that I, I wanted to throw a handful of pennies. At his windshield. Have you ever wanted to do that? That's just me. I'm not perfect, all right? If you came, Jesus is perfect, not me. But I wanted to grab a handful of pennies and chuck it on his windshield. I saw myself doing it. But do you know that Jesus actually makes you nicer? He makes you kinder. The fragrance of Christ in your life, it gives you more grace. It gives you more the ability to be how a human is supposed to be. We're supposed to be human. We're supposed to be kind. We're not supposed to do each other dirty. God forbid you can't make the exit. Go to the next one. Don't cut off four people and risk their lives just because you were looking at Facebook and missed your GPS while you were driving. Be kind. Be gentle. And that's really what Christ does. He was born in Bethlehem. You know, there were two kinds of bread mentioned in the Bible, or there are several kinds of bread, but one one of the kinds of bread that is very popular and was the kind that that the poor people ate, the common people, was barley bread. To tell you the truth, I have no idea what that is. I know white bread and I know wheat bread, cake, pizza. I mean, I know a couple different types of bread. I'm not a bread connoisseur. But barley bread, I'm assuming, is not a very popular type of bread because if it was for the poor people, in fact, barley was, was, was um, something that would be fed not only to the poor people, to the common people, to the people that weren't rich and couldn't afford the best, but it was it was easy to mass produce. It was easy to, to get out there, and they would feed it not only to just the common people, but they'd feed it to the animals. And you know Jesus came for everybody. He didn't care what your bank account says. He doesn't care what clothes you wear. He came for everybody. And he even came to redeem this world. In fact, where was he laid? He was laid amongst animals in a manger, in a feeding trough to a world that was starving, the bread of life was born in the house of bread. And between each of these points, we're going to sing a song and kind of be a little bit more traditional. So just roll with it. All right? Can you guys roll with it? Look at your neighbor and say, just roll with it. Just roll with it. And so we're going to sing a song. Miss Rhonda and Mr. Buck, they're going to sing a song. So you can stand with me. You get a little exercise. Get the blood flowing. <coughs> Silent night, holy night, all is calm, all is bright, round yon virgin mother and child, holy. Oh, 
So the campaign of Christ, why did Jesus come into the world? Why, um, why was the bread of life born in the house of bread, and what did he want to do? And I think he gives his, uh, he gives his reason very clearly. It's in the book of John, chapter 6, verses 35 and 40. You can go back and you can read them. You can check, check up on me. In fact, I encourage it. But Jesus says, I'm the bread of life, Jesus told them. No one who comes to me will be hungry. And no one who believes in me will ever be thirsty again. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in him will have eternal life. And I will raise him up in the last day. You know, death is a pretty horrible thing. Holidays are a horrible time for a lot of people. And we had a neighbor. We've had two neighbors die in the past, like, six weeks, give or take. One of them was cancer. Cancer's terrible. If you know anybody that's dealt with cancer, it's just absolutely horrible. And the older you get, the, realize you, the more you realize your body just won't last forever. And one day, it's coming in some way for all of us in this room. And God forbid it would be cancer because that is a horrible, horrible thing that the enemy brings on us. But whether it's that or whether it's riding a mountain bike, trying to keep up with somebody who's in much better shape of you, you realize your body just can't do what it used to do. Your legs just don't move how they used to move. Your lungs just don't breathe how they used to breathe. Um, death is horrible. The other neighbor I had that, that he passed away, um, lonely. In his 50s, his mother passed away, and he's just lonely. Put the dots together. Very tough season for him. Very, very, very tough time, and death is terrible. And Jesus makes this claim, which either he's the son of God or he's the most horrible person that's ever lived. Because he says, and I mean that, hear that again, either he's the son of God or he is horrible for lying to us. Because he says, I am the bread of life. I am the bread of life. If you believe in me, you'll live and not die. I'm the resurrection and the life and he who makes those promises, if you're going to make that promise, you better be able to back it up. Or don't, don't make that promise. Because I don't know anything more painful than, than the death that is awaiting. And I'm not trying to get down, but that's what Christ came to solve. That's why we eat. Every time we eat, whether it's bread or meat or whatever, every time we eat, we're fighting death, the death that our body is, is happening. We're saying, no, I, I want more energy. I want more protein. I want more vitamins. I want more minerals. I want to keep living. That's why we eat. And when we eat, and hopefully we're eating the right things, our body responds and we're healthier. And that's why you look at people in the modern age, you know, they're taller. My dad's parents, they're about this big. All right, I've met them. You know, like my, my dad's mom, she was all of 4'9", maybe. I have no idea. My dad, he's pushing six foot. Me, I'm just a little bit taller than him. Not quite six foot, but certainly not like grandma and grandpa. Because you get that nutrition, and your body starts to develop, and it starts to, to act like it's supposed to act. And without God's life in us, we are dead. Christ is the bread of life. The word bread in the scriptures, especially in the Hebrew, a lot of times was just synonymous with food. It just meant food. Sometimes it meant bread, but sometimes it just meant food. I'll give you an example. My kids, meat is chicken. 
Mommy, what kind of chicken is that? That's pork, son. That's good chicken. <laughs> they don't know the difference yet. And so sometimes bread was synonymous with just food, with just, with just food, with just that, that, that keeps you going another day or another hour or gives you that energy, and, and we need it. Jesus is the bread of life. The bread of life, either it's true or it's not. And I, I desperately, I believe that it is because as I've followed him, I've had more peace in my life and I've had more joy in my life. And I found something in him that I could find nowhere else. There's joys in this world. There's joys in this world. Out in the woods yesterday riding the bike, the downhill parts were very joyous. I mean, it was good. It was... <laughs> There were some rough parts, but there were some parts where there's nobody around and there's just creation and the trees and, and you're just feeling good. And you're, sometimes you're out in the ocean and it's just beautiful and it's, it's gorgeous or you're, you're looking at the sky. There's joys in this world. There's joys in relationships. It's, it's better. You know, we all hate being alone. And for those of you guys that are alone for the season, I'm so sorry. The good news is, is that God doesn't want it to be that way. He wants to step in. But there's joys in relationship. My wife goes out of town, and I, I lose my mind. It's fun for like an hour. And then after an hour, I've done everything I've wanted to do. And then I'm just like, what do I do? Where do I go? What do I? Relationships are good, and, and nature is good, and all these things are good, but they're hints and they're shadows of what is ultimately fulfilled in Christ the bread of life. And there's just nothing better. So I'm going to invite you guys to stand one more time. If you want to. from Satan's power. So we've looked at the coming of Christ, the bread of life born in the house of bread, looked at the campaign of Christ that he came to give his life for the world, the communion of Christ, celebrating Jesus in our lives. John chapter 6 verse 51, it says, I'm the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for my life, for the life of the world is my flesh. This right here, this is a space maker. Do you guys know what the space maker is? People were following Jesus. Let me give you a little background. They're following Jesus. He's doing miracles. In fact, there's a lot of miracles centered around bread. There were two, in fact, where he fed thousands of people with some barley loaves and some fish. Remember, barley was the bread for the masses. And so he fed these people, and people, we all know how people are. If you feed them, they will come, all right? 
Do we know that that's true? Every time we've done something where their free food is involved, doesn't even have to be good food. Free food tastes better than food you pay for for some reason. I don't know how that happens. It could be you could offer free chicken nuggets and there'd be people lined up at the door like it's steak. I don't know. But people follow Jesus. They see the food, the barley loaves. Remember, food for the common man. But if you feed them, they will come and they're following Jesus. And he's got these crowds. It talks about him being so worn out that he just wants to go and sleep, and he goes up to a mountain to pray, or he falls asleep on a boat, and his disciples are warned out. It says people are coming and going, and, and Jesus preaches a space maker sermon where he looks at the crowds, and some of you are going to be on this side where you're going to have no idea what I'm talking about, but I pray you have ears to hear and eyes to see. He looks at the crowds, and he says, The ones who eat my flesh and drink my blood have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day, because my flesh is true food and my blood is true drink. The one who eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in him. Just as the living Father sent me and I live because of the Father, so the one who feeds on me will live because of me. The one who eats this bread will live forever. Like a lot of you, they were like, what? In fact, one of the early accusations against Christians, if you read the church history, was some kind of cannibalistic thing going on over there. I don't know. They keep talking about eating this guy's flesh and drinking his blood. I have no idea what's going on with these people. But if you think about what happens with food, is you get food, you get bread, you get drink, it's dead, right? Very few of here, even if you eat sushi where it's raw, I don't know how many people take a bite out of live things. I can't think of ever having done that. That's just nasty. But when things are dead, all right, when things are dead, then they become ingested. And that piece of bread is no longer a piece of bread. It it turns into energy, which might make a fingernail or a piece of hair or a skin cell or, or something, but it becomes part of you. It's no longer bread. It's Ben or Mike, or Ken, or Sally. It becomes you. It's not bread. You don't walk around with bread dripping out of you or you know, juice coming off of you. It turns into your body. And when we learn how to feed on Christ, who was killed and has died, and allow his death to bring life in us, we change. And that same principle, you are what you eat. You all ever seen Supersize Me? You heard about that movie, Supersize Me? Guy eats McDonald's for way more than you should, because you probably should only eat it once a year, if at all. But he eats it a whole bunch of times in a row, every meal. And like his body breaks down, he starts to get gross, he starts to like get fat and, and sick, and he just unhealthy. You are what you eat. So not only do you change that bread and it becomes part of you, but that, that, that good food will make you live longer. Good food will make you healthier. You guys know. You know what it feels like when you eat a good meal that sits well, that, that transforms you, and that's what you should be doing with Christ. One of my favorite people in the world to listen to, and don't judge me, all right, we're in church. Didn't Jesus say don't judge? But if you listen to, there's a guy, Christopher Hitchens. He's my favorite guy to listen to outside of Christianity. He's an atheist, but he's pretty smart. But he said the problem with Christianity, one of the things he said, he said a lot, is, is that you would think that it would have more of an effect on the people that believe it. If it's true. And the problem is nobody's eating it. Nobody's buying into it. Nobody's letting it come inside them. Nobody's just saying, yes, I'm feeding off of that. Or we feed off of a little bit of that, take a nibble, just enough to survive, and a whole bunch of garbage. And there's no effect. There's no change. There's no transformation. And the God that I know changes lives. And if you don't know that kind of God, you've never met the real God. You've met an imitation. You've met some like fake bread. Wonder bread that has no real bread ingredients inside of it. 
I don't know if that's true about Wonder Bread. All right, so Wonder Bread, don't sue me. But some kind of bread, you know, you buy those breads, especially. And for those of you that are gluten-free, I apologize. Jesus, gluten is good for you. All right? There's nothing bad about Jesus gluten. I don't know how that works. But there's lots of bread substitutes that they are not bread. My wife has made some of those. She said, we're going to try gluten-free. And it looks like bread. But it doesn't smell like bread. And it doesn't taste like bread. And I don't want to eat that. I'd rather have diarrhea all week long and eat real bread. <laughs> Forgive me. Don't judge me. This is church. I already told you this. But I'd rather have the real thing. And that's just me. And I'm just kidding. If you have a gluten allergy, I have tons of people that I know. And yada, yada, yada. I'll pray for you. Now you get better because that sucks. But the point of it is, is don't you want the real thing? Do you want a real vegetable or do you want a creative vegetable? Like in a lab. Do you want real orange or do you want that orange candy? I can't eat orange candy. I think I OD'd on it when I was a kid or something like that. But if you put synthetic orange flavor or smell near me, my body just turns and I'm like, ugh, I just can't do it. Now and later, Jolly Ranch, if it's orange, ugh. But I like oranges. I like tangerines. I like citrus. I like the real deal. Do you have the real deal? Do you have the real Jesus or do you have an imitation? Because if you've been trying imitation and it hasn't been working, it's because it's not real. It's not infused with vitamins or electrolytes or whatever you need to actually live. Like, it's not the real thing. And so Jesus says, if you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you'll have eternal life. If you feed on him, if you learn to feed on him. There's so many times that Christ referred to bread. In fact, his very first, one of his very first temptations, what did the enemy tempt him to do? Turn stones into bread. Some of his most powerful miracles that drew the crowds, multiplying bread. Where was he born? The house of bread. When he left, what did he say? Do this in remembrance of me. He gave some bread, and he gave some juice, and he said, if you do this in remembrance of me. So we're going to take communion, and the way we do communion here is it's open to everybody, and we're just remembering the work of Christ. We're remembering that his body was broken, he died, and we can feed on him, that his life is available to all of us who believe, and that, that it brings life to us, that because he died, we can live, that his blood was shed and our sins were we're paid for, that, that there's death. There's, there's death that covers our sin, that, that he died so that we can live. And it's open for everybody. There's going to be four people that come up, and I'm going to invite you guys. You can come up here now. So come and, and make your way up here. I just want to let you guys know that God loves, God loves you. His life was given for you. His blood was spilt for you. You know, some people... I'm going to add this in here. Some people, you don't know how much God loves you. And you don't know how real God is. So with these guys paying up there, I just, I just want to tell you this quick story. I feel like I need to put it right here. I was going to share it later, but, you, but I think there's somebody that right now you need to hear this. I got saved, and I, I mean, I got the real deal. Whatever the real Jesus is, like, I met him. My life was changed. My sins were forgiven. I knew he was real. I was so not perfect. I was so messed up, but I was sold out to Jesus. I was that guy that I would bring my friends every time I could to church. I'd bring people I didn't know to church. I ran my car into the ground bringing people to church. Got pulled over twice for my car being overloaded because I was bringing people to church because I wanted them to find Jesus. Second time, cop was not very happy with me. First time he was kind of forgiving. Oh, you're such a good guy. But one of those nights, I'm taking people home, and I lived in South Florida, in Miami. And I don't want you to picture South Beach with streets and parties and clubs. Picture the part of Miami that has no lights, that have avocado groves and mango trees and, and, and tomato groves. Like That's where I lived. It was empty. And I'm driving home, and, and somebody needs to hear this right now. I'm driving home, it's late at night on a school night, I'm 17 years old, and I'm driving home and the, the streets are empty and I'm just kind of drop people off from church and I leave them there, I'm going back to my house, feeling good about life, and there's somebody sitting on the side of the road. And God, either God spoke to me or I'm nuts. God said, go tell her that I love her. 
So I did what every sane person would do. I said, that's weird, and I kept driving. If you don't have that first reaction, then you might be crazy. And I kept driving. About a mile into this, or half a mile away, my heart is beating, I'm like sweating, I'm getting nauseous. Go tell her I love her, go tell her I love her, go tell her I love her. And I'm like, but that is insane, but that is crazy, I don't know this person, I don't know anything about this person. Finally, I see myself turning around, and I'm going, and I'm like, I don't get nervous a lot, but I'm nervous now. And I stop the car, dark, stranger, middle of nowhere, nothing to say, but this one little thing that I feel God gave me, so I just roll with it. I said, hey, my name's Chris, what's yours? She said, faith. Felt a little better. All right, faith is if you hear faith at that point, you feel a little better. I stepped forward, and I said, well, faith, I really think that God wants you to know that he loves you. Faith starts crying, weeping, sobbing, chest heaving. I'm gradually making my way closer because I parked about a street length away because I didn't want her to think I was up to no good. We sit down on the side of the road, and for the next two hours, Faith tells me this story about how she had gotten in a huge fight with her boyfriend. She lived, wasn't married, lived with a guy. They trashed the house, trashed the apartment. Good fight. If you've been married or in any kind of relationship for more than a day, you know what a good fight is. Okay, this was a good fight. Things were broken. Stuff that shouldn't have been said was, was said. And she puts holes in the walls, smashes stuff, leave. She's walking down the street and just wants to get out away from everybody. She gets into the middle of nowhere and she's now looking up at the stars and she's saying, God, if you're really real and you really love me, prove it. Five minutes later, God says, okay. And her life was changed. It wasn't because I was holy, because I'm certainly not. Talk to my wife after church, and she'll fill you in on everything. It's because God is real, and he loves you. So before we even take communion, with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here today, and you've been questioning, does God exist does he love me? Can he help me? If that's been a thought in your mind in the last week, God's saying, yes, I'm real, and yes, I love you, and yes, I can help you. And he sent this guy from Miami to start this church to tell you. If that's you, would you just put your hand up right wherever you're at? I'm not trying to embarrass you. Praise God. Praise God. Now I want you to know this. It's free. Look up here for, at me for a second. This is how, if this is free, you did this when you walked in, most of you. Somebody took a candle, handed it to you, you received it. It's no more complicated to receive Christ. It's free. He didn't have to pray. Say, Chris, can I really please have a candle? He didn't get, he didn't, he just received what was freely given. You all did it on the way in. You know how this works. So God's love is free for you today in Christ. So we're going to, I'm going to invite everyone just to say a prayer with me, and if you put your hand up, I'm going to ask you to repeat, everyone to repeat after me, but if you put your hand up, I'm going to ask you to just believe that God will do what he said he'd do, that he is the bread of life, and that he will bring life to the dead. But say this prayer with me. Say, Heavenly Father, I need bread. I need life. I believe that your son came for me. I believe that he died for me. And because he died, I can live.
I believe you love me. I believe you love me. But I need you to help me. And I need you to help me. And I'm ready to receive your help. And I'm ready to receive your help. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 That feels good. It's all that free. Now, what we're going to do, it's an open communion. Everybody's welcome to come up. There's, there's some wafers here. We're going to dip them into the drink. We're going to pass them out. And if, 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 you, if you believe in Jesus, you're welcome to come. All, everyone is welcome to come. It's an open table. There's room at the table. It doesn't matter anything other than if you believe in Jesus. We're open to you. And I believe that as he's died, and as you feed on him, this is symbolic of feeding on him, that his life will come into you and your life will never be the same. So I'm going to invite you guys to stand with me. She's going to be playing a song while we do this. There's two aisles. Please feel free to make your way down.
God good? Amen. Come over here, Jay. Come here. Yeah, you. This is my boy. Say hi, Jason. Hi. <laughs> He's my boy. But I just, um, I want you to see that just as he probably would be pretty scared to be up here if I wasn't here. He knows he's with his dad. And for those of you that have seen your dad or you have had a good relationship with your dad, you know, you can run to him whenever you need to. And if you've made that decision today to follow Christ or maybe you've refocused on following Christ, there's nothing better than running to him. My dad had a couple businesses, and one of my favorite things when I was about this age as my two boys here is I could walk into his business and pretty much go wherever I wanted to. And it was fun. He could be meeting with somebody. I could kind of walk in. Now, sometimes he wouldn't let me do it if he's meeting with a lawyer or something like that. But in general, I used to go in there and just watch him work. I could be near him. I didn't have to be afraid. And that's the same thing that God has for you in Christ. That's what it means to feed on him. That's why we're doing 21 days of prayer starting on January the 7th. Is We want to learn to feed on him. We want the thing that we have to be real. And we want to eat to be full. We don't want to have the fake thing. We don't want to have malnourished Christians. So we would invite you to come out. We think God can change things. The commission of Christ, carrying Jesus into our world. This is one of my favorite stories of Jesus, and it also deals with bread. But it's out of Matthew chapter 14, verses 16 through 21. Jesus said to them, this is when the crowds were following Jesus. This was actually before he did that miracle of multiplying the loaves. There's thousands of people following Jesus, and they're hungry, just like there's 135,000 people in Lexington without a church home that are hungry. There's people like my neighbor that are feeling hopeless. There's people like your neighbors. There's people in your family. And the disciples, they don't know what to do with them, but Jesus says, they don't need to go away. You give them something to eat. And they said to him, we only have five loaves here and two fish. And so Jesus said, bring them to me. And he ordered the crowds to sit down on the grass. And taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing. Then he broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples. And he gave them to the crowds. And everyone ate and was satisfied. And they took up 12 basketful of broken pieces left over. And everyone who ate was about 5,000 men, women, and children. Now, here's a help. If you're a parent, you have young kids, my advice, and I don't know if you do this, and I'm not trying to judge you, read the Bible to your kids. And one of the things I found out is when I read the Bible to the kids, this story, and I think it's not in Matthew, but I think it's in Luke when he says this story, the way it's written in the Bible, now hear me out, is Jesus took the loaves and the fish and he broke them. Now, you got to hear this out. <laughs> my son likes that story. Think about that. I tell my son, he took the loaves and the fish, and he broke them. And so there's this idea of these broken fragments being handed out to the masses and them having enough to eat. You may say, well, what could I do? I'm just Chris or Ralph, Craig, Mike. I'm, who am I? It doesn't matter who you are. Take what you have and give it to Jesus. And he will do two things. He will break you. But that's good. And he will make you more than enough. It's better to be broken by Jesus than be broken by the world. You're going to be broken one way or the other. You can have the one do it who has the hands that heal. 
or you can have the world do it who doesn't, that doesn't care about you. But something's going to break you. So you might as well commit your hands to your, your life to the master, put it in his hands and say, here I am, break me, do what you want. And he'll make you more than enough. Five loaves and two fish, it fed thousands of people. I believe that that's true. I look at my life. There is no way in the world that I should be able to have four kids who generally seem like they love me, right? <laughs> a wife who doesn't hate me, or she loves me, a full-time job that I got to go to like all the time, because that's what full-time means, that's terrible, but yeah, a full-time job, and start this church. I've been broken. I've been broken. I know what it feels like to live a real life. But it didn't get here by not being broken. And I promise you, whatever you have, let Jesus break it. Give him your life. Take your light out into the world and shine. That's all that he asked for, the same message. He's not asking you for you to, for you to be perfect because you're never going to be perfect. But as you feed on him and he transforms you and you give him your life, like things are cool. It's much more cool to follow Jesus than not follow Jesus. God does miracles. God puts your life back together. I don't know where I would be without Christ. And so to end today's service, we're going to do something very traditional. I think it's symbolic of the fact that God wants you to take your light out into the world and it was about the coolest thing I ever did in church up until I understood what was going on. So if I combine those two things, I want you to know that you can take your light out into the world. We're going to have two people come down, and so you guys can come up here. This is going to be real fire. These are not LED lights. Kids, ask your parents. Parents, you are responsible for your children. If anyone gets burned, that's your bad. It's a candle. Come on. People have been using candles for thousands of years. Okay, think about it. It's not like, not a blowtorch. But just be careful. It is real. I'm going to invite you guys all to stand. They're going to go down. We're going to let it pass through. Watch long hair. Watch all that stuff we got to say since it's 2018. But as soon as we light these, we're going to close with a song. did he say he was the bread of life but he said he was the light of the world and if he lives in you you have light in you
God? I would ask you to clap, but that could be dangerous. <laughs> All right. You guys, I pray that you have an amazing Christmas season. It's so good to see some people we haven't seen in a while. We love you guys. Um, anything we can ever do, we are here for you because we believe Jesus is. So go, go light your world. Enjoy the holidays. Don't eat too much. If you do, feast on, make sure you feast on Jesus. Have a great time. We'll see you next week. We'll